Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Philly Sports Power Hour on this wonderful football Friday. Good to see some of you guys already in the chat. I saw some of you earlier filling in for John McMullen on Birds 365 at 9 o'clock. So working a little overtime this morning, but loving it. More opportunities to talk Philly sports, the better. But let's get a little roll call from everybody. Want to see who's here for the Power Hour? Get your guys' predictions later on in the show. Good morning, Wine Niners Wine. Good morning, Chuck Hutton. Good morning, Steve Ike. We're going to be joined by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro around 1020. Got a lot to talk to him about on this Football Friday. And we're going to preview the Philadelphia Eagles-Washington Commanders game on Sunday. We got a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. Not many of them. The last one against the Commanders was 1 o'clock, but not many of them this season. But who else we have here in the chat on this wonderful Football Friday? Before we get into the Philadelphia Eagles, we'll spend a very brief amount of time on the 76ers last night, opening up their season against the Milwaukee Bucks. Good morning, JM. I saw you at Birds 365. Good to see you here. What's up, WCBJJ? Good morning. Robert Dredden, good morning. We're still hurt over the Phillies game seven loss too, man. We're trying to uh, trying to avoid it. <laughs> wine Niners wine. Any chance Dave will give a, up a good Howie story we haven't heard? Doubtful. What's up, Ken Shatoff? Good to see you, man. But let's take a quick look at the Philadelphia 76ers season opener last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. They lose a close one, 118-117. Sixers did hit a three at the buzzer to make that look a little bit closer. But they almost came back in that game. Tyrese Maxey played pretty well. I think the best part of Maxey's game last night was eight assists, no turnovers. But he looked pretty good. The problem is... The Milwaukee Bucks, man, they're just going to be too good. They get Damian Lillard. That's who we wanted the Sixers to get. You add Lillard to that team with the Greek freak, forget it. It's over. I mean, I can't see how this Philadelphia 76ers team, even with James Harden and the chance of him playing for the Sixers team, who knows what's going to happen, but how they're going to be able to compete with a team like the Bucks. Lillard puts up 39 points last night. He would have looked so damn good in a Sixers uniform. Doesn't happen, but. We'll see. A lot of drama surrounding that Sixers team. I had Farzee on yesterday. We talked about it. And I think Farzee was spot on saying, really, the only hopes he has is to see Tyrese Maxey have a pretty good season this year. Outside of that, I just can't imagine they make any noise in the Eastern Conference. But we will see. But on a brighter note, our other team in the Philadelphia city are Flyers, man. Philadelphia Flyers bounce back after a couple tough losses. They dominate last night at home, 6-2 to two over the Minnesota Wild. Flyers are playing well. Flyers are playing really well. Defenseman Travis Sanheim is off to a great start. Had a goal last night, two assists. He's playing 
close to the top in the NHL in minutes. So a real good year. He didn't have a great year last year, but Sandheim's playing well. Bobby Brink gets his first goal in the NHL, actually puts up two last night. Couturier's back playing well. So if you guys are hockey fans, Flyers are playing hard. Flyers are playing hard. But this is a football Friday, so we're going to spend the majority of our day on our Philadelphia Eagles. And I see Brian Lippicott in the chat. Bobby Brink. That's right. Robert Dredden, Flyers are going to make the playoffs. I hope so, man. I hope so. And like we're starting to see in baseball, where you just have to get in, you've seen it year after year with the NHL playoffs. All you have to do is get in, and you can make some noise. So let's hope the Flyers can keep playing hard, man. That's all we ask for. They don't have a ton of talent, but they're playing really, really hard. So Fly guys, big Flyers fans. So we'll talk about that a little bit on the show every single week. But Football Friday, Spadaro joining the show, our Eagles insider at the 10:20 hour. But we got a big game on Sunday against the Washington Commanders. I said it yesterday that I was hopeful that after this week, the Eagles will be two games up on the 49ers and the Cowboys. But first, the Eagles have to take care of business. We all know what happened in week four. Game was a lot closer than it had to be. 34-31 overtime win for the Philadelphia Eagles in game four. But if you tuned in to Birds 365, what I had talked about was this defense has been a different defense since that Washington Commanders game. And I see it, Decoy Gaming in the chat. Good morning. But they let Sam Howe in week four throw for 258 yards. And they had zero takeaways in that game. Since that game, this Philadelphia Eagles defense has held their last three opponents to an average of 183 passing yards a game. And that was the Los Angeles Rams, the number one passing offense in the league, the Miami Dolphins. And you look at this Washington Commanders offense. They're 19th in the NFL, averaging only 212 yards per game. So I expect this defense to shut down that passing game this week. I think that 258 by Howe was a big outlier in week four, especially now you're adding Kevin Byard. You're getting Reed Blankenship back. So I expect this Philadelphia Eagles secondary and really this Philadelphia Eagles defensive line to shut down the passing game because that D-line is going to feast on Sunday. This commander's offense has been absolutely terrible in protecting their quarterback. Given up 40 sacks this season. They're on pace for an NFL record in how many sacks they're given up. They've given up 40. And the Philadelphia Eagles had five sacks in that week four matchup. And three of them came from Nick Morrow, that linebacker. But I expect that D-line to feast this week. And I think with the pressure that they're going to put on Sam Howe is they're going to get takeaways because this Washington offense has also turned the ball over 11 times this season. That's 21st in the NFL. So I think you're going to see this Philadelphia Eagles defense do what they do every week, which is, first of all, shut down the run. Secondly, shut down the pass by getting a ton of pressure on Sam Howe and then forcing some bad decisions and getting some takeaways. I have the Eagles turning over the commanders at least twice in this football game. 
And I think that defense is going to absolutely dominate. And we'll get our predictions at the end of the show. I'll get your guys' predictions in the chat. Decoy Gaming asks if they leave Forbes on AJ again. I don't know what Washington's going to try to do. If they're going to put Fuller on him. But AJ's shown nobody's stopping him. Nobody's stopping him. But let's jump over then to that offensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at this Washington Commanders defense. They have not been good at all this year. They have not been good. They are 29th in the NFL, giving up 374 yards per game. That is 29th in the NFL. In the week four game, the Philadelphia Eagles put up 415 against them. 311 passing, 104 rushing. And I expect the Eagles to do even more than that this week. But that commander's defense, 29th in the NFL, giving up 374 yards per game. 29th in the NFL, giving up 27 points per game. 28th in the NFL, giving up 248 passing yards per game. And 22nd in the NFL, giving up 126 yards per game. So this Philadelphia Eagles offense should be able to do whatever they want against this commander's defense. They should be able to run the ball. They should be able to throw the ball. And they should be able to score a lot of points. Now, the key, which is pretty much the key every single week in the NFL, is protecting the football. And we've seen what turnovers have done to the Philadelphia Eagles, especially in that New York Jets game. They don't turn the ball over. They win that football game. They are a better team. And really, you look at this commander's defense, the only thing that they've done well this year are three areas that the Eagles have actually struggled on offense. Now, I'll give you my prediction at the end. I expect the Eagles to win. Little spoiler alert. But if you look at that Washington commander's defense, there's three areas that they do well that the Philadelphia Eagles offense has struggled. And that's really the only shot the commanders have. And you guys may be able to guess what those three areas are. Number one, turnovers. The commanders are 10th in the league, forcing 10 turnovers. And the Eagles are 21st in the league, committing 11. They're actually tied with the commanders, both turning the ball over 11 times. So you got to protect the ball. Spot on, Vince. I see you in the chat. Protect the ball. That's number one. Commanders have a lot of takeaways. Eagles have a lot of turnovers. Protect the football. The other one is sacks. As bad as this commander's defense has been, they are top five in the NFL in sacks. They have gotten after the quarterback 23 times this year. And they got four guys along that defensive line with double-digit sacks. Montez Sweat. Excuse me, not double-digit sacks. More than one sack. Montez Sweat, five and a half sacks. Chase Young, who we know is an absolute beast, five sacks. Jonathan Allen from that defensive tackle position, three sacks. Casey Tuhill, another defensive lineman, three sacks. So the Philadelphia Eagles need to protect Jalen Hurts in this game because they are 20th in the NFL in giving up sacks. As good as this offensive line is, they are 20th in the NFL and giving up sacks. And I said it on Birds 365. That's kind of the nature of a Jalen Hurts offense just because of how much he leaves the pocket. 
Because last year, as good as the offensive line was, they were 21st in the NFL, giving up 44 sacks last season. They do give up a lot of sacks for whatever reason. But that's another area you know the commanders are going to try to disrupt things is getting after the quarterback. And they've done it very well this year. So Philadelphia Eagles need to protect the football. Obvious. That should be the mantra every week in the NFL. And they need to protect Jalen Hurts because this commander's team can really get after the quarterback. But there's a third area that this Philadelphia Eagles offense has really struggled this season that the commander's defense has done well. And let's see in the chat, who can guess an area that this offense has struggled this season that they need to improve this week? Let's see who's going to be first one with it. What has the Eagles offense really struggled with this year? As good as they've been in a lot of areas, there's one area that they have struggled. They were better last week, and there it is. Two people at the same time, Loki and Brian Lippincott, the red zone. The Philadelphia Eagles need to be better in the red zone this week. They were good against Miami. They went four of six, really four of five, because that last one they weren't trying to score. And I see Decoy Gaming got it too. Wine Niners Wine got it. But they have to be better in the red zone this week. As bad as this Washington Commanders defense has been, and they have been bad, they are in the top 10 in the NFL in red zone defense. And the Philadelphia Eagles are 19th in the league in red zone offense. So if the Philadelphia Eagles want to blow this game open, because they're going to put up yards, they got to convert touchdowns when they get down into the red zone. They can't afford just to put up three points with field goals. So I see Loki in the chat saying it's mind-boggling that they have this problem. And it really is, because if you look at last year's offense, and I compared these numbers for, for you guys earlier in the week, you look at last year's offense, they were really good in the red zone. 68%. That was top three in the NFL. 68% in the red zone. This year, 50% puts them at 19th. So something has to change. And we talked about it on this show. I think it was yesterday. What's the what's going on? What's the problem? Because it's pretty much the same personnel. You replace Miles Sanders with DeAndre Swift. You still have Kenny Gainwell. You replaced Isaac Sayamala with Cam Jurgens and now Sua Opeta. It's pretty much the same personnel. You still have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You still have Dallas Goddard. So it's got to be some of its play calling, some of its play design. I think a lot of it is the way the defenses are playing it. But the Philadelphia Eagles need to be better in the red zone, and I'm giving them credit. They were better against the Miami Dolphins. But really, that is the only shot these Washington commanders have. The only shot they have is to get after the quarterback, try to cause turnovers, and stop the Eagles when they get to the red zone. But even if they do all that, it's going to be really difficult for that Washington Commanders offense to be able to put up points. I know they were able to put up 31 points against the Eagles in week four, which was just crazy that they were able to do that. You look at what the New York Giants did to the Commanders last week. The Giants are the, were the 27th-ranked defense in the league going into that game, and they held the Commanders to seven freaking points, man. So this Eagles defense, I expect them to show up in a big way. 
I'm sure they're not happy about the way the week four matchup went. But really, it's got to be if this offense can protect the football, if the offense cannot turn it over and really give the commander some gifts, I don't see a chance in hell that this commander's team has. And I know the commanders play them hard. I know they play them hard every time. They gave us our first loss last year. They almost came back to win on in week four. But Loki's spot on. It's a different team compared to week four. It really is. And I talked about it on Birds 365. You just look at what the defense has done over the last three weeks. I mean, just look at the points they've given up since that game. They gave up 31 points to the Washington Commanders in week four. Since that time, they gave up 14 against the Los Angeles Rams. They gave up 20 against the Jets. And seven of those were off turnovers. And they only gave up 17 against the Dolphins, the number one offense in the league. And 10 of those were off turnovers. So that's why it's not rocket science, man. Protect the football. And the Philadelphia Eagles win this game by a large margin. And I'll give you guys my prediction after we have Dave Spadaro. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have Eagles insider Dave Spadaro joining the show. We'll talk to him about this week eight matchup. See if he can give us any inside information on our man Jalen Hurts. I know everyone's worried about his knee, but he wasn't on the injury report. That is a very good sign, a very good sign. And I also want to talk to him about what has Sean Desai done differently because this defense just looks really, really good over the last few weeks. A lot of credit to Sean Desai. So stay tuned, guys. When we get back, we'll be joined by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. And we are joined by my man, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on this wonderful football Friday. How you doing, Dave? Oh, can you hear hey, me? Hey, Bill, I'm good. I'm in, a, in an odd location, so I wonder if my connection is okay. Please, please let me know if my connection is okay. Yeah, can you hear me all right? Yeah, you're sticking a little bit, but go. I'll, 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 I'll live through it. Gotcha. What are you already at the Washington Stadium and they got bad internet down there like they do everything else? <laughs> no, 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 sorry, I'm gonna move it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give people I'm at NBC ten. I got a little hit here at, at eleven o'clock. So I was in the green room there. Or two while yeah. we're at it. Well, this is this is the for people who don't know, this is what a green room looks like. It's literally a room with a green couch. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, so now the now my 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 uh, the light isn't that good, but is that okay? Yeah, as long as you could hear us, we're we got you. Yeah, right. I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Sorry about right. that. Awesome. No worries, man. We appreciate you joining the show. So, before we get into this week eight matchup against the Commanders, gotta just go back and look at that game against the Miami Dolphins. Number one offense in the league comes in here, and really an unbelievable performance by that defense. What did you see that impressed you the most on the defensive side of the ball against the Dolphins? I think the discipline uh, that the Eagles played with, the tackling was really secure. You know, when you – there was one play, I think it was maybe the first play of the game, where they get the ball to Tyree Kill in the flat, and James Bradbury comes in, and you kind of think he's got the right angle, and then all of a sudden Tyree Kill's – scooted past him, he's on the sidelines. So when you're playing a team that is as fast as the Dolphins, there are so many things to worry about. I thought that the Eagles at the nickel position, splitting reps with Eli Ricks and Josiah Scott, I thought they did a terrific job. The Eagles took advantage of Miami's offensive line, which I expected, and then Miami lost a player. Look, at the end of the day, the Eagles gave up, in my opinion, one touchdown drive, right? The pick six was seven points for Miami. The Jalen fumble led to three points, a great hold by the Eagles defense. It was 
the most impressive defensive performance from Desai. I thought his disguise of his coverage was excellent. I thought the communication was terrific. Bill, I mean, they got the big takeaway with big play Slay in the red zone. I mean, I think that I think we all thought that this was going to be a shootout, and it turned out that the Eagles' defense dominated and led the way, and that was really impressive. And we've seen really when you kind of step back. I, I know that in this world we are very reactive um, one week to the next. I think if you step back and really look at it, this defense, for the most part, hiccups here and there, but for the most part, has gotten better and better and better, and that's really encouraging. Yeah, I said it before you came on, Dave, that if you look at the last three weeks, since they gave up 258 to Sam Howell in week four, they're averaging only 183 passing yards against with really a different secondary every single week. So a great job by that coaching staff. And one question that keeps coming up in the chat every single day of this show is how much is Matt Patricia helping out on that defense? So I mean, what has Matt Patricia been to this team and this defensive side of the football? Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, a veteran, experienced, um, defensive whiz. I mean, who's been able to work in a very collaborative setting. Make no mistake, this is Sean's defense, and Sean is the one who's calling the shots. But he's also one who accepts input from others, and I'm not sure that a lot of coaches in this league do that. So, I mean, but Matt has been a veteran. Uh, voice in there in that room. Um, they've, you know, the Eagles have not only had to replace the defensive coordinator position, secondary coaches new, linebackers coaches new. So there's been new, there's been a lot of moving pieces. Matt Patricia new, and to have this all come together here as we move into week eight, it's really encouraging. The the defense seems to have started to find itself and find its identity, and then you go and add a player like. You know, Kevin Bayard, who's – we'll see how much he plays on Sunday. Um, but I think it's really, really encouraging that this defense is trending in the right direction. And they're getting contributions, Bill, not only from the players that you expect, but Jalen Carter is an immediate impact player. They're getting – you know, Nicobe Dean is playing more and more and playing better and better. They've played so many players in the secondary and have gotten better and better. And those young players are getting valuable reps. So but, – but no question, Matt adds to it. And, and it's all just been a really good mix of, of coaches and philosophies, and, and the performance on the field bears that out. And you mentioned Kevin Byard. Philadelphia Eagles just shut down the number one passing offense in the league, and then Howie Roseman turns around and says, you know what, though? Let's bring in an all-pro safety and add him to this defense. How excited are you about the addition of Kevin Byard at safety? Yeah, very excited. His versatility, uh, his production – his durability, uh, his, uh, you know, his willingness to do everything that the team concept guy that he is. I I'm very excited to see, A, what they ultimately do with him, because I see him as a piece that you can use in a lot of different ways. And I always remember, I'm not comparing him to Brian Dawkins, who's one of his idols, but the way that Jim Johnson was able to use him in a variety of, of ways really helped that that defense way back in the day. So. And really, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson had that, that ability as well. Um, and the one thing that this defense, I talked to Fletcher Cox yesterday about it, he does feel like the defense is starting to find its identity. And he kept stressing that we need more takeaways, more takeaways. You know, you think about it, Bill, the Eagles hadn't had a takeaway since uh, the Tampa Bay game, I think. Um, 
yet the, the numbers were getting better. But they until Sunday, they had not had a, a takeaway. I think it was four games. Um, and so Bayard comes in, and he does have that ability, 27 interceptions in his career, to take the football away. And that's something that you always want to build on. You want to be a defense that takes the football away. And get, Look, getting stops is great. Sacks are huge. But but turnovers, takeaways really change, can really quickly alter a game. And that's something that the Washington Commanders have done a lot of this year, 21st in the NFL, turning the ball over 11 times. The problem is – is they're tied for 21st with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have also turned the ball over 11 times. What do you think's going on? It's a little bit uncharacteristic. They did such a good job of protecting the football last year. Why do you think they've turned the ball over as much as they have the first seven weeks of the season? I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, there's there's been a couple of goofy ones. The Dallas Goddard turnover. The Jalen gets his arm, hit the ball, pops up in the air. That to take away. Um but I really can't explain. I mean, it's something that they stress. I, I expect it to get a lot better. A little bit of carelessness um, that's got to be corrected. And it, a lot of it's coming, you know, from Jalen. And that's something he's never been known to do is turn the football over. Last week, holding the football with two hands, trying to break the pocket and create some space. And, you know, he turned the football over. Um, the interception, the ball gets tipped. Uh, you know, look, the guy was right in his face. Maybe he was trying to do too much with it. I don't know. Maybe we give credit to the defensive player for sure. Ball gets tipped up in the air, intercepted, return for a touchdown. So these things are going to happen, but for sure they have to really start declining. Um, to be a championship team, you can't turn the football over. Last season, Hurts was so good. Only six interceptions all year, only two fumbles lost all year. And then for whatever reason, so far through seven weeks, already eight interceptions and two fumbles. So I agree with you, though. I think this is something that we know Jalen Hurts. We know his work ethic. He's definitely going to try to fix that. And I expect him to start protecting the football a lot better. Because the one thing this Washington Commanders defense, as bad as they've been this year, and they're in the bottom of a lot of categories, 29th against for yards against, 29th for points against. But one thing they do well is take the ball away. They are in the top 10 in causing turnovers, and they're also in the top five in generating sacks. So what do you think the key is this week for this Philadelphia Eagles offense to be able to protect the football and protect Jalen Hurts against that front that the commanders have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a, an awareness of the football and ball security, understanding, by the way, that the commanders were embarrassed last week losing to the New York Giants. So they're going to get the best, once again, from a commander's team that took the Eagles to overtime just a few weeks ago. They're not going to have Will Barton. I don't think they're a key loss for Washington. Um, I think the Eagles can run the football. But it comes down to the matchup of four first-round picks up front for the Washington commanders against the Eagles' outstanding offensive line. This is the way it always is in football. This is the way it always is with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, we know that A.J. Brown's been spectacular and, we know that Jalen Hurts is one of the best players in the league and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, major weapons, but it always comes down to the offensive line versus the defensive line. And that's why I always feel good about the Eagles offense when we go into a game because the Eagles offensive line is so good. So, but you can't let, you know, the, the Jonathan Allens of the world, the Montez Sweats of the world, these guys who are getting heat from the Washington media, they're going to come and be charged up in front of their quasi home crowd because I do expect 
Eagles fans to invade FedEx Field once again. Thank you in advance to all the Eagles fans who are doing this. Um, but it'll come down to the offensive line executing. I don't expect Washington to blitz Jalen much. Uh, I think they'll come with the, you know, the Eagles moved the football really, really well the last time these teams played. So it just comes down to ball security, Bill. Look, there's, we talked about this last week. The Eagles offense has been great this year, right? Other than, as and Jalen said this the other day, they've actually statistically been better in a lot of categories than last year, other than giveaways and red zone. And last week against Miami, four for five in the red zone until that last kneel down possession. So it was four for six. But the giveaways really hurt the Eagles. So it, let's let's hope that the team stays as efficient as they were on Sunday night against Miami in the red zone. And then those giveaways are minimized and you're going to see an offense that is really taking off. Yeah. And that's not rocket science. I said it before you came on too, that it seems so simple, but the keys to this game, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, protecting the football on offense. They do that. I don't see how this commander's team can compete, but I want to ask you a question about Brian Johnson in a second, but I want to first preface this so that, our viewers understand there's been a lot of complaints about Brian Johnson as a play caller. And I've had some issues with some of the play calls, but when you talk about the numbers this year compared to last year, last season's dominant offense averaged 389 yards per game. So far through seven weeks, the Eagles are averaging 389 yards per game. So they're almost spot on 28 points per game last year, 27 points per game this year. They're actually averaging more passing yards per game this year than they did last year. So I preface it with this because I do think the offense is really starting to find its rhythm, but obviously Brian Johnson has never called plays in the NFL before. I think we've seen improvement each week, but what do you think about the job Brian Johnson has done through the first seven weeks of this season as a play caller? Yeah, he's done a good job. I mean, there, there have been some real successes and look, let's be honest, defenses have really done a nice job also playing the Eagles and understanding that the number one key is to try to eliminate Jalen Hurts from the run game. And so you haven't seen, for example, the quarterback draw be as effective. So you have to adjust and you have to make counter moves. And the red zone, let's look, the, red, the, the, the criticism of the Eagles, not just Brian Johnson, but of the Eagles in the red zone, absolutely merited. When you're ranking in the low 20s, Look, everybody wants that to be better. It's not like the Eagles are going around and, hey, stop criticizing me. No, the Eagles want to score touchdowns. And when it doesn't happen, they're not happy with it either. So everybody understands the the, um, the scrutiny that Brian is under. Maybe people thought that it would be very seamless, that, you know, there, there would be no transition period. Well, of course, there's going to be a transition. Uh, but I think that the Eagles offense has adjusted well. I think it's ascending. And... Look, I mean, I'm not going to talk about any teams, but you do not. I know that earlier in the season, Eagles fans were going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how good that other team is. I won't name the team. We all know who it is. They're going to be so dangerous. Well, that other team is not playing as good at football right now. You want to ascend in the course of a season. And so early on, the Eagles made – look, last year, the Eagles didn't score in the second half of the first couple games. I mean, they just struggled in the second half of games. This year – the struggle has been in two areas. Again, red zone and giveaways. And hopefully they've started to solve the red zone challenges. Next up, no giveaways. So I think Brian's done a good job. And it will always the, the, the goal is always to be better and better and better and better and better. 
Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there. The, really, the issue is the red zone. And as good as the offense has been, fourth in the league, putting up 27 points a game, they're sitting there at 19th in the NFL in red zone efficiency. If they can fix the red zone, they're going to be really scary with the amount of points that they're going to put up every week. And last week, really, they were good. You said four of six, but it was. It was four or five. And after that first drive that stalled, they went four straight drives converting in the red zone, which was huge. And let's talk about talking about four straight drives converting in the red zone. How about four of four on fourth down last week for this Philadelphia Eagles offense? A lot of it was the tush push, but one of them was a fourth and three, which was not a tush push. How much do you love Nick Sirianni's aggressiveness in those situations? I, I got to tell you, though, I, frankly, I was pretty stunned. Uh, Ten minutes left in the game, seven-point lead at their own 26-yard line, and he went for it. I mean, that shows a lot of great – so I so let's go back to what what was the game um was what was the game earlier in the season when the Eagles went for it didn't make it and everybody kind of got on Nick for showing confidence in his players um there was a fourth yeah, down that he didn't get in the in the beginning yeah I'm I'm drawing a blank on the game but people in our chat will probably know they know everything yeah, in the chat um and it may, it may but it certainly was a little bit longer I think it was like a fourth and seven or something and he went for it didn't get it got a lot of criticism I mean the guy just shows confidence in his players he's an aggressive guy. It is an interesting concept, though, when you really think about it. If you believe, and I'm not saying the Eagles believe this, but I'm saying that just concept-wise, if you believe that, you know, every fourth and one, the Eagles are going to go for it, right? So then instead of starting at first and 10, you're starting at first and nine. It kind of shortens everything up for the Philadelphia Eagles. And there's a big advantage to that. So I love the aggressiveness. I love the confidence that he shows in his players. And I think that um, – Again, it goes back to the offensive line. When you can execute a play like the brotherly shove, Bill, I, I, I will not refer to it as the tush push. It's got to be the brotherly shove. Um, and other and other teams just don't do it well. You watch other teams, they just do not do it well. The quarterback just does not drive as Jalen Hurts drives. The offensive line does not create as the, as the Eagles offensive line creates. Who was it? Kirk Cousins got stopped the other night when Fred Warner jumped over the pile and, you know, Kirk Cousins is like, you know, short stepping it, trying to get that half yard. So the Eagles just run it really well. And um, I'm all for it. And it shows great confidence in, in the players. And I think the players appreciate that. And on those four for four on fourth down, I think the most demoralizing thing for the Dolphins was that was on three different drives. All three of those drives led to touchdowns. So by going forward on fourth down and extending the drive, they then convert for seven points. That's just huge, man, huge. And somebody asked in the chat, and I already know the answer, but they said, did Dave get a Super Bowl ring? You're damn right, right? You got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I have um, I have three rings. I have the NFC Championship rings from the 2004 and 2022 seasons. And I have, um, the, of course, the World Championship ring of 2017 and if you like and i'm not a braggart person by any means but i'm happy to bring them on next week and i can show them to people or you know we'll do it during the bye week bill when there's no when there's kind of a kind of have a lull period here um I like that. but yeah they're they're uh they're very special and um i would love to get another world championship ring i've got two children and um you know i'd like to share with, with the kids yeah, that would be pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool. Well, we mentioned earlier about Howie Roseman bringing in Kevin Byard, which was a great move. So now you bring Byard to this team. He's got a lot of versatility back there. Who do you think now takes that 
slot corner position that's really been a revolving door in the first seven weeks of the season? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Now, now I know Bayard has that ability to do that. I'm not sure that you feed him all of that right now. But, you know, through the years, there, there has been a an interesting correlation between the way the Eagles play the safety position and the way they play the slot corner position. Now, coupling with that, last week, watching Eli Ricks and watching Josiah Scott play as well as they did against Miami is encouraging. So my supposition is that the Eagles will stay with that combination against Washington, which may not have Curtis Samuel, who's banged up as well. Um, so that would be big. And look, for a young player like Eli, what a huge, again, I talked to him in the locker room yesterday. What a boost of confidence for him. He's a big cornerback, so playing in the slot is different. Um, did a good job. Josiah Scott comes back, looked like a completely different player than he did last year. So, you know, the, the Eagles have continued to rotate there. It's, it's a fluid situation. I don't think there's an answer yet, but they're building toward one. So I would tell you that Bayard would likely stay at safety um, unless he, unless the Eagles feel like he's just picked this stuff up and right away is, is on track with the language of the defense. It's not the concept of the defense um, that is going to be hard for Kevin to pick up. It will be just the language of the calls, of the audibles, of the adjustments that they make. He's played in the league long enough that he knows everything that the Eagles are doing. It's not that revolutionary. It's very difficult to reinvent a defense. But what's different is the language and the adjustments. And so that, in a very short period of time, is what Kevin is learning. Not learning the playbook. He's learning the game plan for this week. So, But to answer your question, Bill, I would, I would expect that Scott and Ricks, with the idea that Bayard could be that guy if he picks it all up, any chance you see Sidney Brown get some more playing time at that slot corner position? Yeah, I mean, I think a rookie, you're trying to teach him. I thought he played, you know, he played a lot last week and did a good job last week. And I think you just go step by step with somebody like Sidney. It's possible. Um, the Eagles are high on him. He's learning. Um, it's just a lot to throw at a young player. Um, again, the, again, the difference between Kevin, there are different Kevin, and Kevin's been in the league for eight years. Sidney's been in the, in the NFL for eight weeks in the regular season. That's a big difference. And you mentioned Eli Ricks. I was so impressed with that guy against the Miami Dolphins, just how fearless he is. He's going up against one of the best wide receivers in the league, and he's out there battling, man. And he's an undrafted rookie. We saw it in the preseason, and we saw more of the same against Miami. I'm really high on the future for Eli Ricks. Absolutely. And, and he knows it, and he's working hard. And just a caution, because this is how the NFL works, the more he is on tape, the more that offenses will find his weaknesses and go after his weaknesses. So players are always working on um, improving themselves and minimizing those weaknesses. But for sure, Eli is a big rangy guy and he's a physical cornerback and he's gaining confidence. And to be able to go inside where you must flip your hips in such a short area, and that's very difficult for a Bigger cornerback to do. Very impressive job on Sunday night. Right, a couple of questions about injuries for you, and then I want to just ask you, obviously, about Jalen Hurts. Got to ask you about Jalen Hurts. But before we get there, on the defensive side of the ball, a couple players missed practice yesterday. James Bradbury, Zach Cunningham, I think Milton Williams and Jordan Davis were limited. Are all four of these guys on track to play on Sunday? 
Yeah, you know, Nick just answered that in his press conference and uh, was kind of like, hey, we'll see how they feel today. So I really can't give you anything more than that. I'm not privy to that information, nor would I give that information. Uh, that comes from the coach. Um, so uh, just stay hopeful that, that everything's okay, and we'll see what the injury report looks like today. All right, jumping over to offense, and I think you may give me a similar answer on our man Jalen Hurts. But last week, we're watching the Miami Dolphins game in the first half. Jalen goes to scramble. It looks like he was a little bit gimpy. On the halftime show that I do for Jacob, we had John McMullen reporting from Lincoln Financial. And I said to him, John, it looks like Jalen's a little bit gimpy. And John said, you know, it's interesting that you say that because he's been limping around the NovaCare complex all week. I said, John, it's the first time you're telling me this, man. So then we see him in the knee brace in the second half. I know you got to be tight-lipped here, but he's not on the injury report. Are yeah, we okay? I mean, there's, there's nothing tight-lipped about it. I mean, yeah. he's not on the injury report. Now, is he? does he maybe have something with his knee? Well, he's got the knee brace, so there's something, maybe a, some, whatever. But he's playing through it. He's playing fine. They called two brotherly shoves late in the game, and he got great push from his legs. So – I mean, I think every player who has played seven games is banged up. And I think that's just what it is. I don't anticipate it being anything else other than that. I think that there is – there's nothing to really be – I think the way Nick – I mean, he's not on the injury list, so yeah. I don't anticipate there being any sort of injury. Yeah, and, and good news. I do a Legal Hands to the Face podcast every week, and I have an orthopedic doctor on, and he basically said the same thing. is look, nothing to worry about. He probably has that brace just for a little bit of stability. Maybe he's got something going on there, but nothing for fans to worry about. He's going to be fine. So let's hope. Let's hope because obviously this team only goes as far as our man Jalen Hurts. But uh, all good stuff. One last question for you. Howie Roseman, is he done dealing, Dave, or do we got something else coming out? Okay, the deadline's on uh, October 31st, right? Do you, Bill, do you ever count out Howie Roseman? <laughs> Never, man. That's why we love him. Right. So, I mean, he's always looking to improve the roster. Um, we'll see. We will see. So, well, Dave, I really appreciate it, brother. Let's hope we get another big win. You and I will jump on next week, hopefully, and we'll be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles being the only seven and one team because I think, I think yep. they're going up two games after this weekend, man. I think the Cowboys are losing. I think the 49ers are losing. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have a two-game lead on those teams in the NFC. Well, Bill, I will take that. I, a two-game lead after eight weeks would be amazing. So let's keep our fingers crossed and let's go, Birds. Love it, man. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you, brother. You have a good weekend. Thanks, I'll Bill. talk to you next have week. Good weekend. Take care. So there's Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Always love when he joins the show. Appreciate it. I know his lighting was off, but making time for us as he's doing a spot for NBC. So really appreciate Dave Spadaro coming on. And he's going to be joining us every week. The day may change. Usually we try to get him on Tuesdays, but he's got a lot going on with the Philadelphia Eagles and a lot of media spots and things like that. But Spads will be joining us every single week, hopefully. But really good stuff. When we get back, guys, we're going to take one more break. When we get back, I want to get all of your predictions in the chat for this Sunday matchup between the Washington Commanders. I will give you my final prediction, but Probably no surprise where I'm headed after some of the things we've talked about this week. But stay tuned. We'll do our predictions when we get back.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. I appreciate all of you guys here. Don't forget to smash that like button, smash that share button. The more Philadelphia sports fans we could reach, the better. But really do appreciate you guys taking this hour with me. I say it every day, but I really do. It is an honor to be able to talk Philadelphia sports Monday through Friday. And with all you guys here, I just absolutely love it. And if you guys want more from me, more content from me, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Legal Hands to the Face, on Instagram, at Bill Calarulo on Twitter, posting daily content to all those platforms. On Instagram, I like to deliver these quick hitter videos so you guys will see it, do a lot of Instagram reels on there. So be sure to check those out. Give me a follow. But really appreciate you all. But let's talk about our predictions for Week 8 against the Washington Commanders. And I see some of you guys in the chat already giving me your predictions. I got Steve Ike, 35-10. Sports on 88. Got it pretty close. 28-25 Eagles win. Twiz, 35-3 Eagles. Brian Lippincott, 32-20 Philadelphia Eagles. Sports on 88 says Eagles by three because Vegas is ignoring the divisional matchup and how dirty the Redskins play. Kyron, 24-17. 
What else we got? JM with a 38-13 prediction. So let me see your guys' predictions, but I'm going to tell you why this game, in my opinion, is not going to be close. And this is not coming from a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I try to be as objective as possible. And looking at the Dolphins last week, a lot of people said it was a homer pick that I picked the Eagles over the Dolphins. But I dove into the stats like you guys know I like to do, and I could tell that those Dolphins numbers were inflated when you look at the teams that they had played. And you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team. In week four, they put up 34 points on that commander's defense. And I don't think that the Eagles offense particularly looked that great in that game. They were only four of 12 on third down in that game. And this is an Eagles offense that has been really good on third down. Number two in the NFL, converting third down close to 49% of the time. They were only four of 12 in that game. And they went one for two in the red zone, and they still put up 34 points. So I expect this offense against a really bad Washington defense. And we talked about it in the first segment. Yeah, they get after the quarterback. Yes, they've been able to turn people over. And yes, they are very good in the red zone. But you look at all the other categories, and this Philadelphia Eagles offense should be able to absolutely dominate this game. And I think they're going to be ready to play. I really do. I don't see any sort of letdown. I don't think they're going to be looking past this team to Dallas, not after what happened in week four. So I expect this Philadelphia Eagles offense to really be able to put up points. And then you go to the other side of the football, and this commander's offense, I really think what they did in week four was the outlier, putting up 258 points against this Eagles defense. First of all, we've talked about it. This Eagles defense is a different defense now. What they've done over the last three weeks, and that commander's offense is not very good. Only put up seven points to the lowly New York Jets. Excuse me, New York Giants. I'm still harping on that, New York Jets. But you look at what the Giants were able to do against this team. That Giants defense coming in was the 32nd defense in generating sacks. Guys, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. The Giants were the worst team in the NFL in generating sacks, and they sacked Sam Howe six freaking times. They held the commanders to seven points. And now you take the Philadelphia Eagles defense, third in the NFL in sacks, first in the NFL in quarterback pressures. You're going to see this Eagles defense absolutely feast on Sam Howe. I have them holding them to 17 points, and I think that may even be a late score by the Washington Commanders once this game's over. I am predicting a 34-17 win for our Philadelphia Eagles, improving to 7-1 and after Week 8. Everybody was afraid of the Super Bowl hangover. We all talked about it all offseason. And if the Eagles take care of business on Sunday, they're going to start this year 7-1. and Pretty damn impressive. Obviously, you'd love to have that Jets game back. Should have won that game. But 7-1 and after eight weeks coming off of a Super Bowl loss, I will take it. So 34-17 is my prediction. If you guys want, you can head over to my Instagram. I'll be posting some more videos about some of these matchups. 
but I want to see your guys. Let's see some predictions in the chat. Loki's got it as a 28-9 win. Michael Johnson also 28-9. Wine Niners Wine said there's a blowout. and Wow. He thinks Ron Rivera gets canned on Monday. That is a hot take, Wine Niners Wine. Who gets the interim duties? Do they give it to Eric Bieniemy? James Jones got a 27-21 win. Pick a score. Are you talking to me, Twiz, or are you talking to uh, somebody in the chat? I don't know. But anyway, appreciate all you guys here. Like we end every day, try to find today in sports history, and there's not much going on today. Wasn't much going on in sports history. But I'm looking at some of the things that happened today. There really wasn't much. I mean, you know it's a bad day when they're giving me Australian cricket. Bob Simpson scores 359 versus Queensland. I mean, there's really nothing that happened today. The one thing is, for New York fans, if you're out there, in 1973 on today, October 27th, it was the first time the New York Islanders ever beat the New York Rangers. So, But not much. Not much. But let's just see some more predictions. James Jones, 27-21, can go either way. I disagree with that. Sports on 88, 34-17 sounds good, but Ron likes to surprise sometimes, but Bird should pull through. Mr. Taz, 36-10. Steve Ike, I had Queenland with 358. But yeah, I really love all you guys here. Hit that like button on your way out. Everybody have a great weekend. I will be back with you guys on Monday at 10 a.m., but I will be down at the Ocean Casino like we do every single week for pregame, halftime, and postgame right here on the Jacob Sports Network with Mark Farzetta, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, Mike Missanelli, John McMullen, and Kayla Santiago. So be sure to check in pregame, halftime, and postgame for all the Jacob Sports Eagle game day shows. Appreciate everybody. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.